Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Corbello Starks, a.k.a. Who That Nigga, and welcome to the World According to Starks podcast, season three. It's Saturday the 1st of October of 2022, and more importantly, life is good. But the question still remains is, how is your life going? And before I go on to making a huge ass out of myself with this new shit, I would like to say, I would like to send a shout out to a few people. And more importantly, like, you know, it has to be. DJ Payday, Money RO23, Montana Love, Sid Griff, Sarcastic Bastards, Lady Beans, Panero Coleman, Miss Newton, Quaisha, Drip28, Seven Rogers, Quicksand, Bobby Frazier, Janet Catalia, King Sean Goddessy, my producer still, also he loves the new music, Tina V, Best Kept Secret, House of Experts, Barbershop, where I got my hair cut, Paige Saunders, CP, Harlem Lido, Sonny Bricks, Miss Christina, Christina Valentina, Hannah Mariah, Dre Dre, Rashawn Davis, Michelle Benson, Gabriella Julicia, Shea Butter 83, it's a wife, Miss Free Robinson, my cousin Darius Ball, who is also my WGF brother for life. Nessa, Real Shata, Lucy Duran, Jim Rat 01, Puchu, Nisha, Rhea, Sandra Raphael Piccolo, Jennifer Lee, Candace Cotton, and finally, the one and only, Yvette Myers. Now, I usually don't do shout outs very well, but more importantly, I had to put that out there just in case because not only is it making, like, you know, my life even great, but more importantly, this is my opportunity to let people know that, you know, being a guy on the podcast, it makes it even worthwhile. So let's get on with the news, shall we? Paramus Catholic football found guilty of illegal recruiting banned from 2022 season. Just like Eastside years ago. Paramus Catholic, one of the premier high school football powerhouses in New Jersey, has been found guilty of illegally recruiting a top player from Belleville High, New Jersey, Advanced media has learned the decision has was handed down by the New Jersey State Inter, Interscholastic Athletic Association's Controversies Committee during a special September 15 hearing. According to legal transcripts resulting in severe and multi-prolonged pronged penalties for Paramus Catholic. The punishments include a 2022 postseason ban, two years of probation for the football program, a possible compliance review by the NJSIAA at any time during the probationary period, and mandatory proof of sportsmanship training for all football coaches. The groundbreaking decision is believed to be one of the few times ever a New Jersey high school has successfully approved illegal recruiting that led to significant penalties and one that could serve as a warning for schools that recruit across all sports. Generally speaking, it's a start to assure purely amongst the schools, said Art Schneider, Ari Schneider, an attorney from the Bush Law Group who represented Belleville in the case. Obviously, recruiting is rampant and nobody stops it or nobody checks it. From speaking to a lot of superintendents, there's concern that this is happening, but Belleville had the opportunity to do something about it. They felt it was important for their student-athletes both now and moving forward, Schneider added. According to a legal document obtained by New Jersey Advanced Media, Christian Maldonado, a Paramus Catholic assistant coach and the school's assistant administ- 
admissions director, sent the player multiple text messages while he was enrolled at Belleville. The text reflected a concert, a concurrent effort on the part of an assistant coach at Paramus Catholic to urge a talent player to transfer, to convince that player to ignore the entries of his current coach and to pressure that player to make a decision by the next day, according to the documents. Molinaro denied his texts were meant to convince the player to transfer to play football at Paramus Catholic during the hearing. But the controversies committee found Maldonado to not be a credible witness, according to the documents. The controversies committee also found that Paramus Catholic was unable to establish a defective set of facts relating to the player's application and enrollment process. For example, the player said he never spoke to Paramus Catholic head coach Greg Russo prior to enrolling. Russo said he spoke to the player about football at a student for a day event on February 2nd. In addition, Maldonado testified that the player enrolled at Paramus Catholic February 9th. The NJSIAA transfer form completed by Paramus Catholic indicated the player enrolled February 14th. After hearing the witnesses, reviewing the evidence and deliberating, the committee determined that Paramus Catholic had violated the NJSIAA's rules against athletic recruitment, the document said. It's the only decision the controversies committee could have made, but I'm extremely disappointed in the penalties that were levied. Belleville Superintendent Richard Tomko told New Jersey Advanced Media, I'm actually taken aback. I've been in administration for 24 years. I'm a former AD, and I've held every administrative position. In all of those years, you get some of these recruitment violations, and it's always hearsay and very difficult to prove. This is the first time I can remember in NJSIAA history where this is infuriable evidence. Tonko continued, we got a kid audio tape saying what happened. We have text messages from the coach during a school day, even NJSIAA, I hate saying that, when they laid out the decision. They actually talked about those things, 100% infuriable, and the penalties, in my opinion, are a joke. It's probably the most watered-down penalties I've ever seen. Now, believe you me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm I'm not a football player. But when you get violations of trying to recruit a player from one school to the next, you are going to get caught either way, no matter what. It doesn't matter where what school you're going to. You stick to that school and you play football there. But when you have another coach from another school trying to recruit you, then more importantly, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I hope that the parents of all people decide in their own mind what can you do in this situation i mean seriously what can you do on a situation like this to know damn well that certain people are desperate trying and i do mean trying to get the opportunity to play football for high school that's probably had some moments that are pretty bad but i do gotta say that uh being banned from the 2022 postseason is crazy. It really, really is crazy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just can't do that. It's wrong. It's very deliberately wrong. And you had to learn from your consequences. Never recruit a kid that's trying to, like, you know, pick a school. Or you're trying to pick a school for him. Because, frankly, you're going to get in trouble one way or the other. And it's crazy, too. 
NYC's financial district now blighted with spiking crime, vagrants. Did I say that right? Vagrants? Once one of the hottest neighborhoods in New York City, the financial district is now simply a dumpster fire, residents and workers told the Post. In early of September, at least four trash fires were set along Cliff, William, and Water Streets. They were quickly extinguished, but the crime and filth blighted this once sleepy neighborhood bound by Chamber Street, the West Side Highway, the Battery, and the East River have only worsened. Emboldened crooks and vagrants have been robbing and assaulting locals without restraint, whilst businesses are regularly looted by brazen shoplifters. It's got more outlandish. Keith Ruiz, 29, a concierge at 71 Broadway, said about criminal activity in the neighborhood, perps come down to Wall Street because they know where the money is. It's all money-driven crime. NYPD data for the first percent, which includes the financial district, shows major crimes have increased 50% this year, compared to 33%. Citywide burglary is up 70%. Robbery, 15%. Felony assault, 16%. And rape, 55%. Crimes of the past year include... A Queens woman randomly slashed an 82-year-old doorman in the head with a machete on Stone Street and Broadway before blinding him with bear spray in September. Bear spray? Are you kidding me? A 19-year-old slashed and robbed an 84-year-old man on exchange place near Broad Street and against and in August taking off with his watch and cell phone. What is he going to do with the watch and the cell phone? That's some bullshit, believe me. A man unsuccessfully tried to steal a woman's French bulldog worth thousands of dollars and in the process slamming her head into the revolving glass door at 61 Broadway in July. Wow, that's fucking brutal. A man swiped the cash in the register at Priscilla Italian Panini at Nassau and Ann Streets while the staff was in the back of the restaurant in April, causing co-owner Antonella Silvio to store a baseball bat below the counter. You could at least crack the man in the head with the baseball bat before swiping cash. I'm hoping that the new mayor can do something more for the police, but it seems that nothing's moved yet, and nothing nothing ever will, Silvio said. Even some luxury luxury buildings have become hotbeds of drug deals and other assembly activity, also including prostitution. Ashley Wheel, a 28-year-old beauty buyer, said a neighbor in her John Street building was pistol-whipped for telling new tenants operating an unlicensed tattoo parlor on her floor that their music was too loud. After more than a year of complaints from several neighbors, the raucous residents were finally evicted this summer. Gee, I wonder why. What happened in our building was alarming, Wheel said. I'll never imagine anything like that would happen in Vidi. At the TJ Maxx on Wall Street, where racks can be stocked with $250 of Ballman t-shirts and $600 worth of Gucci sweaters, one employee complained about a surge in merchandise theft during the pandemic, often by the same crooks. Police data shows 911 calls to the location are up to 40 through September 22nd, compared to 20 in 2021 and 14 in 2019. There's a homeless guy who sings on the street, said the 57-year-old employee. He comes here and takes t-shirts and underwear for free. Lawyer Thomas Kniff, no relation to Ken Kniff, 
sorry, Eminem, a Republican who ran and lost against soft on crime Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg last November attributed the spike in crime to lower foot traffic in the neighborhood alongside lax bail laws. The office buildings in Manhattan are less than half full from everything. I'm observed that creates fertile soil for homelessness or criminals who feel that they have an area of operation, can have said. Unhinged hobos in particular have been terrorizing locals throughout the neighborhood. Wait a minute. Unhinged hobos? Homeless motherfuckers that come in and around nowhere terrorizing locals? You try to move them to one location and then all of a sudden it'd be another. But the pictures of homeless people laying on the benches because they don't have nowhere else to go. How often could you see that in my city? Because we got that too. So more importantly, please, for the love of God, be quiet, okay? And it makes no damn sense to me. It's definitely slow-minded to see this kind of shit. But more importantly, me on the other hand, people going crazy, slashing people with razors and machetes, stealing clothes. I can tell that New York is like, you know, crazy as hell. But then again, that's another different story. And now on to sports. Yankees fans chant asshole at Orioles pitcher as Aaron Judge wait continues. Aaron Judge's wait for history continues. And the hometown fans weren't happy about it, nor who was responsible. The Yankees superstar went homerless for a second consecutive day, going over 2 with the Two walks, two strikeouts, and hit by a pitch in the Yankees' 8-0 win over the Orioles Saturday afternoon at the stadium. As we can see, the Orioles, Orioles can always take a beating. But more importantly, that Aaron Judge, of all people, was chasing Maris. Throughout Roger Maris, through the last 157 games, had 59. More importantly, Aaron Judge has 61. And more importantly, Roger Maris finished 61. But more importantly, Aaron Judge is aiming for 62. Fans erupted in an asshole chant directed at Orioles pitcher Spencer Watkins at the judge's second walk of the game. Judge currently sits on 61 home runs for the season, which is tied with Roger Maris for the franchise and American League. The Major League Baseball's untainted by steroids single-season record. He tied the mark during the Yankees' win over the Blue Jays on Wednesday. And I got to believe when I say this, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes down to Aaron Judge aiming for 62, you got to give him full credit on that. Certain pitchers do not want to give up that pitch to Aaron Judge to hit a home run. But I do know one thing for sure. It's pretty much, you know, out of the ordinary. <clears throat> You got to realize and you got to grasp it. He's going to go for 62 home runs. Either that or he's going to go for 63. The the MLB postseason didn't even start yet, did it? Maybe not. <clears throat> Giselle Bungeon spotted in Miami amid Tom Brady marital woes. Giselle Bungeon was spotted out and about in Miami on Friday amid her and Tom Brady's marital drama. The model looked casual in a white tee, matching sweats and sandals. Bungeon's outing came two days after Page Six reported that she and NFL quarterback were both in Miami ahead of Hurricane Land. Ian Land, I don't give a fuck, but planned to ride out the storm in separate homes. A source told us that former Victoria's Secret angel, 42, stayed in her home she and Brady rented in 2020. 
while their mansion was under renovation. <sighs> As for the 45-year-old athlete, the insider said it, re- it remained unclear where he was holed up, although it wasn't with Bungeon. I can see Bungeon looking good. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers player prepared to return to Miami from Tampa on Monday after attempting to get their stuff on the ground level up a little bit higher. He said on an episode of his Sirius XM podcast, they're talking about pretty high storm surges, and it's a scary thing. Brady added, let's go with Tom Brady, Larry Fitzgerald, and Jim Gray of the Hurricane, which hit Thursday. He concluded, I will say that it's a scary thing when it's when it really hits your doorstep. Tom, 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 you're 45 years old, and more importantly, you took it upon yourself to talk about a fucking hurricane. Well, you know damn well that Giselle Bungeon needs you more than anything and needs you more life itself. But instead, you're talking about dear old hurricanes when you should be there for your wife, for Christ's sakes. And for a special, special, special indication, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to talk about Tom Brady nor Giselle Bungeon anymore. Antonio Brown goes on Twitter rant after exposing himself in a Dubai pool. No, a Dubai hotel pool. After though he was re- retiring, then more importantly, he lost a little bit of money. But instead, this motherfucker has definitely gone up to his kneecaps and elbows exposing bitches. You know what I mean? This is one sick motherfucker right here. Notorious NFL star Antonio Brown went on a Twitter tirade Saturday in response to an exclusive post report about him, exposing himself to guests at a swanky Dubai hotel. It's crazy to me that even after I retired, there is disformation coming out about me. The embattled, the embattered Pro Bowl wide receiver tweeted, Ironically, during a time when the NFL is getting heat for allowing players to play when they are clearly concussed, they've been using black men as guinea pigs. Brown was caught on video May 14 shoving his bare buttocks into the face of a stunned woman in an outdoor swimming pool at Armani Hotel Dubai and then lifting his penis out of the water and whipping it in her direction as wide vacationers watched in shock. (gasps) I can't believe this nigger would do such a thing. Well, believe you me, this is Antonio Brown we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, he whipped his dick out in some white bitch's face. Could have been a Karen. Video footage obtained by the Post shows Brown, 34, way too close for comfort to the woman who initially laughed off the attention but quickly swarmed away to escape the controversial gridiron grate. However, Brown insisted he did nothing wrong. Every chance they get to sway the heat off themselves, they use me. In a video, you can clearly see she runs off with my swim trunks, he tweeted. If roles were reversed, the headlines would be AB having a wild night with a nude female. Yet when it's me, it automatically becomes a hate crime. Two eyewitnesses told the Post that Brown continued to flaunt his private parts several times after the recording ended, rudely asking the woman, you want it? Well, she could have sucked it. I mean, seriously. The sources said the woman apparently visibly upset and was later spotted inside a hotel yelling and complaining to others about the incident. He whipped his dick in my face. Oh my God, I feel so cheap and violated. Oh, shut the fuck up. 
Brown now an NFL free agent and aspiring rap artist. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't say it with a straight face. Aspiring rap artist. And that's like Uzi that's like saying Uzi Vert wants to be a transgender with that thing on his fucking head. <laughs> Was it a United Arab Emiratis to see his buddy former boxing champ Floyd Mayweather? Jr. fight an exhibition in Abu Dhabi and perform as the boxer walked into the ring. The seven-time Pro Bowler shocked the NFL world in January when he abandoned Tom Brady and the rest of then the defending champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in the middle of a game with the Jets that they eventually pulled out in the final seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, I <laughs> hold on for a second. When asked if he condoned stripping in the pool and exposing himself, Brown texted a reporter Saturday, Do what you gotta do, pussy. You white boy's dead already. He reps did not his reps did not return the messages. First of all, let me just say like this. Hearing dear old Antonio Brown becoming a an aspiring rap artist is hilarious because frankly, I did listen to his music. A little bit of a song, and all I can say is. <laughs> oh my God! I could, like he's a rapper now. Jesus Christ! I tell you, you need to sit your crackheaded ass down. No one wants to hear your rhymes. Hell, no one wants to hear me rap. But unfortunately, I'm still making music. Fuck you. <laughs> as far as that, uh, as far as the. Uh, the uh what's her name again? Oh yeah, that that white bitch. She probably wanted to suck his dick. It was all for publicity. I mean, more importantly, if you seen one white woman looking at a big black dick and she wanted to suck it, you would probably see it all. Cause frankly, it goes to show you, ladies and gentlemen, in this world, it's always gotta be the black man talking about I'm feeling haunted and violated. No, you want to stick your dick in a white bitch's ass in a Dubai hotel pool. How difficult could that be? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for your listening pleasures, I, on the other hand, wants to bring out uh, this new segment. This segment I got, um, movies I've watched and you've watched. If you have watched a lot of movies in the 80s and the 90s, more importantly, you would get this opportunity to do so. Because, frankly, I could do classics as well. But, in most cases, I want to do this the good old-fashioned way, because frankly, when it comes down to it, it makes sense to me to do this. And if you have any movie that you want me to do a segment on, you can catch it on, um, hit me up on my DM on um, Instagram, 21 Stark Street. And more importantly, we can get this party going right now. So, without further ado, what movie... Are we going to talk about and please, ladies and gentlemen, can I get a drum roll, please? If I keep on doing that, it's going to be boring. Make my face like burn out. About last night, 2014 American romantic comedy film starring Kevin Hart, Michael Ely, Regina Hall, and Joy Bryant. It is a remake of the 1986 film of the same name. Both films are based on the 1974 Damon Mabbitt play Sexual Perversity. 
in Chicago. The remake, featuring a predominantly black cast, is directed by Steve Pink and written by Lyle Hedlund. It tells the story of Danny and Debbie and Bernie and Joan, two couples who test their relationships work in the real world. Now, all honesty, ladies and gentlemen, I have seen the remake, and yes, I have seen the 1986 version, but uh, before I do that, let's see where it goes from here. Uh, let's see. Um, we already know the cast, and uh, it was produced by Rainforest Films, Olive Bridge Entertainment, distributed by Screen Gems. Release date of February 14th of 2014 in the United States, running time 100 minutes. In the country of the United States, the budget was $13 million. The box office was $50.4 million. While the original film is set in Chicago, Illinois, the remake is set in Los Angeles, California, where filming took place in late 2012. It was produced on a budget of $13 million. The film premiered at the Pan-African Film Festival on February 11, 2014, and was released in theaters on Valentine's Day of February 14, 2014. The film received generally positive reviews, with most critics praising the humor between Hart and Hall. The film grossed over $15 million at the box office. Now, I'm not going to tell you all about the movie, but more importantly, you know, it was a double date, and all of a sudden, like, Bernie's trying to hook up Danny with John with uh well you know how it goes. Bernie invites Danny on a double date where he meets Debbie, a friend of Joan, Bernie's latest sexual partner. He is still pinning over his ex-girlfriend Allison. And in case you haven't noticed, Allison was played by uh Paula Patton, whose acting is a little bit stiff as a board, but more importantly, not hard enough for me to be convinced. But begins a relationship with Debbie. They have more conventional romance while Bernie and Joan are consistently antagonistic towards each other. And then eventually mutually end their relationship. Gee, I wonder why. Several months later, Danny and Debbie move in together. Bernie regularly mocks Danny about his relationship. Can Bernie be happy for his friend? No, he had to bring up his own past with his old girlfriend, accusing him of being emasculated and under Debbie's control. Danny and Debbie begin to argue more frequently about a variety of topics, but particularly about Danny's apparent lack of commitment to their relationship. He is fired from his job for extending a credit to bar only Casey and begins working at Casey's as a bartender. While working, Danny is surprised by Allison after she gets too drunk and refuses to go to her own home. Yeah, you know, fellas, we always have that situation where we always have those drunk hoes, drunk ex-hoes who always wanted to, like, you know, stay, but we want to throw them the fuck out. Danny brings her to her apartment where she flirts with him. The same night, Debbie, who is on a business trip, is propositioned by a co-worker and ex-Steven. Both reject their exes. After another argument at New Year's Eve party, Debbie breaks up with Danny and moves out. Both of them continue to be emotionally affected by their relationship and have difficulty being with other people. Meanwhile, Bernie and Joan rekindle their relationship based on their mutual enjoyment of antagonizing each other. Each, Danny calls Debbie hoping to meet up, but is rejected. Bernie and Joan's relationship continues to grow, eventually leading them to move in together, despite both of them having had discouraged Danny and Debbie from moving in while together. Walking the dog, and he and Debbie got as a couple, he runs into her, and they having been set up to run into each other by Bernie and Joan. 
they talk and agree to give their relationship another chance. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I saw this movie and it's kind of cool. It's kind of funny. But I would not have a friend like, like Bernie and Joan, of all people, who are probably ratchet ghetto and fucking ignorant as usual trying to destroy a relationship that you and Debbie of all people would probably have but I on the other hand would just say that this was a very good movie and I can recommend it because it's coming on TV a lot and I have it on my DVR so don't fucking judge me okay judge me but other than that go watch the movie about last night the 2014 version if you get a chance Watch the 1986 version that takes place in Los Angeles, California, that stars Rob Lowe and Demi Moore. Yes, I know about the 1986 movie as well. Yeah, judge me. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is the world according to Starks. I'm Corbello Starks, a.k.a. Who That Nigga. And I would like to thank everybody who is listening to this. I hope you would take this podcast and share it with other people because, frankly... I need the exercise and I need the views and I need the audience. So once again, as you already know, it's crazy, but I'm Corbello Starks. This is the world according to Starks. You know, it's all good. So as far as I'm concerned, have a good night. I'll see you next Friday. Peace.